Today is Monday, October 30th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we just go ahead and give the gospel at the start. So, uh, you know, it's been a while since Clubhouse has, has messed up their stuff, and they seem to be unwilling or unable, unwilling, I think, to fix it. So as a result, not near as many people uh, can find us through public searches and stuff like that. So as a result, there's a lot less basic gospel type of presentations given because most of the people who uh, we've been talking to in the podcast are already believers and they already know the gospel and agree with it, um, except for a select few who, uh, you know, short of God doing divine intervention, um, they're never going to believe it. Uh, anyway, so they've heard the gospel a lot. Anyway, so uh, other conversations seem to seep in and take over. So we just go ahead and uh, remember our roots and just present the gospel the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, that's all you need to ever know. If you know that and then get struck by lightning, you know enough. Repent, believe, ask for eternal life, you'll receive it. Um, anyway, then we talk about casual dating. That's something that hasn't came up in a while. So, you know, what what should be the biblical, uh, the focus of biblical people and Christians when they're when they're dating, especially like teenagers that are just getting into the dating world? Um, so we talk about that a while. And then, um, well, we talk about normal stuff. Bob and baptize, they they have their time. I think we're going to have to limit that. Like That's a little too much heresy. Anyway, um, they say the same things every day. So anyways, you know, people can judge for themselves. I think everyone's going to come to a, pretty much the same conclusion. But, um, you know, what the Bible says is right. And, you know, let the Holy Spirit guide you when you read it. Read it through as clear of lens as possible um, without your own ambitions or, or own ideas seeping into it. Um, be aware of these pitfalls. Don't brainwash yourself. Um, anyways. So, you know, fun stuff. Um, have an awesome day. Share these links. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. And you can check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt, coffee cup, whatever, to support this podcast, which we are going to figure out how to get more new people who actually need and want to hear the gospel. Uh, if you have any suggestions, send them to askachristianclub at gmail.com. All right. Take care, everyone. See you later. All right. Are we working? We're working. So, Yes, come on up, fine people. I thought uh, I would start off since Clubhouse has decided to, you know, pull the plug on diversity of thought and prevent people from finding this room in a public search, because I guess they want homogeny and singularity of thought. So not very inclusive, if you ask me. But anyways, as a result, the the whole point or the main point, one of the points of the Ask a Christian thing, you know, which is to share the actual biblical correct gospel to people on the internet, has suffered because there have not been enough people who have found us because they make it where you can't find us as easy. It's very, very hard, if not impossible. So uh, as a result, we haven't been given the gospel enough because most of the people who join are already Christians with a biblically accurate worldview. Not all, but most. Um, but the ones that aren't, they've certainly heard the gospel a lot. Anyway, so our, our conversations have took a turn. So anyway, I thought, well, maybe we'll just throw out the gospel because there's still plenty of people who listen on, on Rumble and BitChute and YouTube and other places. So in case anyone wondered what the biblically accurate gospel that Jesus says you got to know to have eternal life and be one of his disciples is, in a nutshell, there is one God that created everything in existence that exists. That's it. Uh, from that, God created humanity and said, hey, don't do one thing. The one thing God said not to do, they did. Adam and Eve, maybe you've heard of them. Anyway, because of that, that ushered in uh, sin and rebellion against God and all this stuff and allowed Satan great significance in this world to affect things. Um, anyway, so the point is there is evil and everyone is sinned and no one is immune. No one can escape it. So uh, God himself took the form of a person in Jesus 
came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, never broke a rule, never broke a law, never did anything against God, and uh, presented himself to be a sacrifice for that sin. So if someone believes that, that Jesus was sacrificed for our sin, he is God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, and if you believe in him, repent and believe the gospel, which is what we're talking about right now, if you believe this stuff, that Jesus died on the cross for the, our sins, rose from the dead, and lives forever, and he says you must be born again. What that means is pray to Jesus. Ask him to make you born again. You have a dead spirit, we believe, and that spirit needs to become alive through the power of Jesus. So, Jesus, forgive me. I want to be born again. Forgive me my sins. I repent. I will stop doing what I know I shouldn't do. I will turn and go the other way towards the things of you. I will follow you. Give me eternal life. You say anyone that wants it can have it. So I would like to be one of the whosoever people will. Anyway, that's it. Congratulations. There's the mystery of life. And normally we could all go home now. But since we're just starting, what's up, Chris? Hey there. That's a good one. It's a good gospel presentation. Why, thank you. I, I have no notes. <laughs> all right. I mean, you know, like our, like our uh, fellow former, I don't know, for, I can't, I can't be funny this morning. It's, I'm, it's too early. St. Jerome, I mean, you know, his adapted quote, uh, the gospel is so easy, a child can understand it, but so deep theologians can, you know, like dive and dive and dive and never reach the bottom of it. So, you know, I mean, that's something a five-year-old can pick up pretty easy. It's like, there's a good God and there's bad stuff in this world. I don't want bad stuff. I want good stuff. I want to be with God. Um, so how do I do that? I believe in Jesus. Jesus, forgive me, save me. I want this eternal life. Yay, now I can live with you forever. I mean, a five-year-old can get it. But then, like, super, quote, reasoned, philosophical, rational, the great minds of our time act like they can't understand it to save their soul. <laughs> and literally, it doesn't, because um, they, they won't believe it or accept it. Hey, Martinez, <clears throat> we heard the biblical gospel. Can you tell us the Pelagian gospel? <laughs> <I'm totally laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my Too soon? Goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's not even, the sun's not even all the way up in my time zone, my guy. I can't believe <laughs> you right now. I can't believe you right now. <laughs> Great job, Nate. I also have no notes. I don't know, man. He said that our spirit is dead. No, I'm not holding you responsible for the Pelagians. <laughs> but you're just the closest thing I have to pick on right now. So. <laughs> I hey, have, Chris, how do you feel about that? What's that, Adam? Oh, it's from my wife, but it's a note. Care to share? In mixed company? Nate. Shame, shame, shame. I'm very confused. I have no idea what's going on. But I like this. How do you, how do you feel about dog watching? How do I, how do I feel about dog watching? Um... I'm glad that there are people that watch dogs. Like, wait, are you talking like in general or are you asking me to watch your dog so you can go on vacation? Well, I'm trying not to ask it. I'm trying to present it in a way where you, you want to and, and assume this role. No, it's no problem. Like, we'll leave it at the kennel if we have to. But I don't even know if it'll work. But I don't even know if the cage will fit in my car. But I was just wondering, since we're going to Orlando for the holidays, like, you know, uh, how, how would you feel if someone just like dropped off a dog at your house? And you're like, here, buddy, do God's work. Like, I mean, we do dog sit on occasion for my brothers-in-law because they both have mutts. Um, and when I say mutts, they're actually these 
very expensive purebred animals. And so my wife and I will take care of these dogs, but my wife is also terrified of dogs. And so it's like a whole weird thing. So we have this dog in our house that she is afraid of the dog. I don't know. It's like, it's a very you have your own dog? We do not have a dog. Oh, oh okay. When they when are we there. dog sit. So the, the one dog that is a that we dog sit is a mountain... Uh, Bernie's Mountain Doodle? Or, I, I don't know. Mountain Poodle? I, I don't know. It's a cross between a Bernie's Mountain Dog and a Poodle. And the thing is huge and very strong. Um, and then the other one is a... Uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback. So, and we do not dog sit them together, and we have in the past refused to dog sit the mountain dog because it was completely out of control and nobody could walk it. Um, the only person that could walk it was me because I was the only one strong enough to yank back on its leash and not let it go because the thing weighs like 130 pounds. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're off the hook. I, I was just, uh, I'm just trying to gather all my options and uh, then make my decision I, I, I mean you know if it's a day or two but like we're going to be gone a lot of uh december so it's you know we're, we're going on different trips and uh, oh and ligonier is having a thing um where vody bacham is coming down and doing a christmas service in the first week of december huh. which is awesome in orlando yeah it's going to be at uh, st andrew's chapel I th- I, we got weird these weird invitations because we're donors, so it may be like a donor thing. I don't know, but because there's only Flamey like Grant make an appearance. I am one hundred percent certain that the Ligonier Fellows would be one hundred percent behind Flamey Grant, and you know whatever the the Cademan's Call guy is, you know, come out and do a musical review. Before Dr. Bacham gets up and gives us a sober, reformed Christmas message. You know, I still never, you, you know, could you, could you, uh, however I can click on a link, email or whatever, or, or I, I guess text, um, send me like the, the, I've never heard of Vody Bacham's sermon. I haven't even heard a clip in my entire life. Could you pick like the best thing and not four hours long, but like the best sermon that you would say, and, and I would like to start off listening to what Chris thinks is the best Vody Bauckham thing. Dude, the best Vody Bauckham sermon. If you tell me, I won't remember. Well, it's on brokenness. I'll send you the link. It will wreck your life. Like, be prepared. You're going to be weeping by the end of it. So, like, it's it's so good. All right. Uh, Victoria, what did you have in mind for uh, Discord movie night? Like how how does it even work? Can can someone like play? Do you mean like play a movie on a Discord server and everyone like joins and watches, or what's your thoughts on that post? Oh yeah, um, so like um, so the voice channels. So there there is an option where there is um, a voice channel where like everyone can get in and up one person can share their screen and show like what's on their screen. So it could be like movies, injuries, um, you know, and anything they want to like share and in real time. And, well, that and, is know. cool. Sweet. You know, can you, we, start we, with, we could uh, we start with an earnest plea to Roman Catholics by Ancient Path TV. It's two and a half hours long. It's great. 
Well, I was thinking we pick something off the Steph's movie watch list because there are so many great shows or, or movies that she has never heard of because she's like 20. Oh, like, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to say Velocipaster. I'm going to say that's my pick for the first one. Apparently, it's free on YouTube. Yeah, we could. Um, it's about and... a, pa a pastor who I, I think has to um, exercise a dinosaur shark. Say <laughs> so what now? Wait, what? No, I, I, okay, so I think it's a, a somehow a dinosaur like raptor um, possesses a shark, and the pastor has to exercise the evil or the dinosaur back into where it should be. I, I think I, I don't know. That's just my guess based on really the poster of it. Wow, so it's like a mashup of like Exorcist, Jurassic Park, and Jaws? Huh, yes, that's what I think it is. It's only an hour and ten minutes, so that's how you know it's like the best. <laughs> like, like all these movies are like an hour and five, hour and ten minutes. Yeah. There is I a mean, squirrel it... in my front door right now. Like a, a legit giant squirrel just chilling right at my front door like he's knocking on the door. Try to lure it in, maybe you have a friend for life. You guys ever see no, that? Um, you guys ever see that video? It's uh, like on TikTok or Instagram, where um, what is it? It's like a squirrel that's waiting in like the roof of like the overhang of somebody's porch, and somebody delivers a package. And when the person opens up, the squirrel leaps off this like roof and into the purse, like right into their hair, and starts booging out. And all you hear it's like a doorbell cam. All you hear is the commotion inside. And a bunch of screams and hollers and everything. Y'all never saw that? No. Did you ever see the Ray Stevens one about the the church, uh, the squirrel in a church music video? No. I'll put that in the. If you got that video, put that in Mississippi the, uh, Squirrel in the Revival. Yeah. Can someone link that? <laughs> That's the name, Mississippi Squirrel Revival. That is, yeah, that is pretty funny. We'll see if and it stands the test of time. I haven't seen it in years. That note thing was my feeble attempt at a joke this early in the morning. Oh, noted. <laughs> yeah, and the good thing about, like, watching it on Discord is, like, you can always, like, use the chat function to, like, use stickers, memes, jiffies. Makes it all the more fun. That's a fun idea. We should have more fun before, you know, World War Three, <laughs> Bro, like, you know what's really funny is we've been talking about doing the movie thing on, in the other room that's after Asking Christian where the, the uh, Presby's hang out. And uh, we're going to do a movie night where we all watch the, the new documentary Cessationist together. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. We're talking about lighthearted, fun, Jurassic <laughs> monsters. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brandon, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are y'all? Good. Nate, good. I also posted yourself? the link to my video in the uh, to that video in the uh, in the chat too. The Mississippi yeah, squirrel. Yeah. No, yeah, the, Nate, the, I just... the, the squirrel, oh. squirrel door cam attack. Oh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, and the revival one is really funny too. Adam nailed that one. Um, I just sent you a link to the Vody Bakum sermon you asked for. Nah, okay, thank you. I will try to watch that later today. Uh, Brandon, you were saying. Oh, yeah. No, just, hey, just up and about, getting things going. It's 
Having a good day. Had a good weekend. Had this little pretty lady with me all weekend. Feeling good. I was uh I was having a good actually was talking with some of the some of the reform guys last night. We were having got into conversation about dating. Uh and marriage. I was curious with anybody's church uh here despite the movement, I was curious what's um everybody's teaching on, I guess, uh, recreational dating, uh, which uh, it was interesting. I, most of our consensus last night was, uh, I guess, you know, Christians, I guess they shouldn't date recreationally, which I, we all pretty much agreed on that that's just something that shouldn't be done. Uh, but I guess, you know, as far as like, you know, people like they date, you know, recreationally or as far as like, let's like, you know, like teenagers dating recreational, something which I'm very much against. And growing up, that was something like my, my home church taught us against, uh, you know, like that is especially like even the practical applications, like going to like, you know, proms and dances, because especially like you're testifying to be saved, you have no reason to be going to things like that. Cause we're like, what's the practical godly application for a Christian to be going to worldly events. But I was just curious, like what, what does everybody's church teach on that? Well, I have no idea what my church teaches on that. I don't think I've ever actually heard, any church really teach on that. Like maybe, maybe a pastor would like mention it quickly, like, you know, in accordance with like, you know, some, some larger biblical principle he was teaching, but I don't think I've ever specifically heard like now young kid, young children or teenagers or whatever, here is a sermon on dating. I don't think I've ever heard one of those, but I'm curious because on one hand I get what you're saying. And I think most people would agree with like that, you know, you shouldn't just like move on, like, you know, have a different date on Tinder and like, you know, go do godless stuff every weekend with different people. Like I think most people would be like, no, no, we don't want that. Um, but if it's not that, um, I, I think most people would inadvertently agree with you, Brandon, because, you know, at, at a teenager, unless you're one of those people, it's not really casual dating, right? Because everyone you like are, are sort of serious about like girlfriend, boyfriend, um, you know, you think that's the one forever, right? That's your one right. true love. So it's like dating for life, like a penguins mating for life. So I think inadvertently, most people in a church setting would probably, even if they say they don't agree with you, their actions would, because, you know, as long as there's, until there's like a breakup or something like that, it's like, they're the one for me out of time and space in the universe. I found the one. Um, anyway, yeah. and then it all goes wrong and their world ends. And Well, and, and I guess, cause like one time I was invited to a, um, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was a local church. Um, they, they wanted to get different ministers from the era to come, I guess, you know, they, uh, to give, you know, and it was a, it was a panel and, I, uh, you know, it was talk to the young people and I, it was kind of, it was, you know, I appreciate it, but I ended up, obviously I ended up being the more conservative one on the panel and the young people, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I said, Oh, how this happened. So I, I thought I was being casual. I like, you know, just, I'm gonna just wear a blazer without a tie. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was being casual. Uh, so like these kids were like hidden, man. These kids. Nobody shy. told Brandon that was business casual. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm I'm a dress down, like you know, thinking I'm I'm not being uptight, you know. But these kids were like, should we uh, you know, should we be dating? And so my, I'm I'm just like, I'm just hitting them like, but they they were asking sincere questions. These these young kids really wanted to do right. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, but the other, like, youth ministers, like, they were super, like, yeah, you should just go how your heart leads you. And I, and, and I feel so, like, man, I am such a stick in the mud. Because I was, like, everything was, like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. It, but I was thinking to myself, I was, like, 
you know, what, what youth ministers telling people to follow their heart? I want to smack that guy. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, gonna say, I said, that's, that's super subjective. I was like, have you ever met a teenager? Like, you're hard. <laughs> like, are you? Are My you, heart says run away to Vegas tonight. Like, well, yeah, well, let's see. Uh, well, Tasha specifically came up whenever you started talking about that. Let's see if uh, she, let's see what her answer is. If that's why you well, came well, can, can I Can I give this one last caveat to it? But it was like, oh, sure. the, the thing that got really contentious is because in particular, it was prom season, and uh, <laughs> they were asking about, like, you know, because some of them, their parents couldn't afford to send them to a private school, and of course, some of the kids went to, like, very, you know, the schools were really whirly, and so prom is a very, can be very raunchy, and so my my church, I, when I was a teenager, preached against going to prom altogether, which I never went to a prom or a dance, uh, so, like, I said, no, you don't go. You know, what reason do you have to go into a worldly dance? And other youth was like, well, no, as long as you, I said, and I said, you know, and so I, kind of, I, I did kind of snap at the other youth minister. And I said, what fellowship does light have with darkness? <laughs> you know, I said, come out from among them. And they just kind of, look, it, got, it got a little awkward, but, you know, I didn't really care. Uh, but, you know, I, they, but so what, I guess, what would you guys view on that? I, and I go on mute. <laughs> well, Tasha, is that why you came up here? And if so, what do you think? It is why I came up here. So we have um, teenage sons and have been teaching them for a long time. Um, you know, just the ins and outs of what dating is as a believer versus dating as the world, right? And um, we, we don't allow them to date as a traditional sense, right? Like, we teach them that dating is for marriage and if you if that person you don't see yourself marrying that person then that relationship is then over so like our boys have to go ask um the girls daddies for permission to date them and then they do courting and we don't do that traditional like recreational whatever with our teenagers and (laughs) they get a lot of flack from their friends um but so my 17 year old right now is in an actual serious relationship and They've been together a year and six months, and they're talking marriage and after high school. And, you know, I got married at 17, so I guess I'm a little bit different whenever it comes to my perspective on on dating anyways. But, like, my husband was dated recreationally, and his youth leader, you know, encouraged all of that. And it hurt him big time. And so just to see, like, the different perspectives as far as, you know, my family wasn't about that life, you know, they, they taught us from an early age that, you know, dating was an interview for marriage, and the minute that you see yourself not marrying that person, then that, that, that was done, like, that was it, and it was that simple, very black and white, sorry, I'm in my car driving, um, if you can hear the dinging, but, um, oh, we do, sorry, it's very (laughs) black and white, and it's very, like, this is the way it is and it takes the emotions out of it like it's really it's really kind of simple and the way we've taught our boys that it's i mean look my oldest one did have a relationship realized real quick like that was not for him um she was a little bit more on the crazy side he didn't want to marry her and he (laughs) called it off they called it off like it was very simple but it also he was i don't know they've also been able to see a lot of those things where um we're looking at their parents, you can see a lot of those 
traditional things, right? Or, you know, that that's kind of passed down. I don't want to say generational curses. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily what you call them, but things that habit to be yeah. sure. Yes, absolutely. Generational bad mistakes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But like you, you can see a lot of those things whenever you're dealing with the whole family, not just the one person, right? And so like we're, we're teaching them how to look for those kinds of things, you know, specifically, what do you want in your wife? Like what is, what are your weaknesses? What are some strengths that would be good for her to have? How would you guys balance each other out? We've taught them conflict resolution. We've taught them, you know, all of these things. And so I think it's, I think casual dating at that point just goes out the window. I don't think that there's any room for that. I don't think that, as a believer, I don't think there's any tolerance for that. You you know what you said, you know, because sometimes when you tell people that, they just look at you like you're crazy. And it's just kind of like, are we reading the same book, you know? And you, my mother, you know, and I don't get me wrong, I, I love my mom, but she she made some different life choices as a young person. And she had some different things, and she's moved on, and I no judgment. I, me and my mom, we we have a much different relationship, and my mom is like grandmother of the year. And she she came to me, and she she apologized for like a lot of life decisions she made, and she said I I wasn't the best mother, but she said I because she her mom she had some issues. So my grandmother that adopted me was actually my great grandmother. Um, and my great grandfather, but she said, I wasn't the best mother, but I know how to be a great grandmother. Cause I, I saw that and she, and true to her word, she's been a, a, a super great grandmother, super conservative great grandmother at that. But she said the reason, um, she, she told me that the reason that I feel that you have been able to be blessed in a lot of areas that I wasn't, that even the things that you didn't understand, you were willing to obey what the elders told you. And, I just think it's crazy that a lot of a lot of stuff we think we can have figured out in 20 years that have worked for people for generations. And I just think that's that's the problem. We just think we're going to do something totally different that has been proven to work according to scripture morality and think we're just going to have it figured out. Chris, where do you stand on this? Is it all uh, drive-in movie theaters and sock cops with you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, everything is... Because I'm, you know, from the 40s, I guess. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Not um, from, still there. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to have to go with Brandon on this one. Like, I mean, I, I have some very specific ideas about, you know, how children should interact. Because they are children still. Like, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going with Brandon. I I can't see a a sheet of paper between what Brandon said and what I think is right. You're very agreeable today. Yep, I'm in the same. I'm taking, I am I'm working on my agreeableness. I am, <clears throat> you know what I'm going to do is I'm not going to tell people statements anymore. I am just going to ask questions. I'm going to work on that, and I want you to hold me accountable. I will. I can already see some ways to to work that in a certain way instead of like. You know, what do you think about this? Rick? So do you think uh, your understanding of scripture, um, are you okay with ba- being Satan's puppet? Is that okay for you? What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Are you a finger puppet? <laughs> I'm going to start yeah, trying to work. Anyone else hilarious. Anyone else have some okay thoughts about the Christian? <laughs> with Christian yeah, casual to, dating? Yeah, no, I want to say I'm, 
I'm definitely there um, <clears throat> with you guys and, and Brandon. That's that's how my mom uh, brought me up and my dad, too. He was like, man, you'll have time for dating courtship. Well, we didn't call it dating. We called it courtship, uh, courtship and marriage for the rest of your life. Right now, focus on the books so that when you go to marry somebody, you can actually contribute to their life. Uh, that was the perspective. <laughs> um, of course, there were varying degrees in any given context where I listened or didn't listen to that. But I definitely, um, you know, hindsight is the best teacher and hindsight is 2020. Um, and so Tasha, I'm, I'm not too far from you. I got married at 21 and my wife was 19 and we knew each other in high school and we were good friends. But every time I tried to ask her out, she was like, nah, mm -mm, nope, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. Or she was with somebody else, so I was just like, eh, whatever. Um, and so then I went on. And it was, I wouldn't say it was casual, but what I will say is it was frivolous, right? I wouldn't say it was casual, like, I'm not putting any kind of thought in it because I had that foundational perspective of, you know, uh, dating or courtship is for marriage. Um, and then also the idea was you didn't date people to find out whether you wanted to marry them or not. Chances are you grew up well, the way my mother explained it to me is if you are pursuing God, pursuing your relationship with God and some other, you know, person, some young lady is pursuing God, pursuing their relationship with God and you guys become friends, you're in each other's orbit. Then these things sort of have a way of developing. And when you're older, she said, that is the time to be intentional about it. But now don't try to like figure out like, oh, I'm going to date you and then see if this is, and if I don't get the right. good vibes then I'm going to drop you and date someone else because it ends up having the same effect as casual dating. You know, even mm -hmm. though you're thinking I'm going to, you know, I, I'm looking for my spouse, you're looking for your spouse, quote unquote, but how much do you know about what you'd want in a spouse at 18, 19, 20? Um, and that's not to say that I went through some crazy metamorphosis at 21, but Suffice it to say that even going the way that I, I was going, you know, with that perspective at 20, I was like, you know what? I'm done with dating. The very next girl that I date or court will be my wife. If not, I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to commit myself to the ministry. <laughs> and I meant it. I legit meant it, Nate. Um, and well, at the time, I was good friends with my wife. I was good friends with her. We were just really good friends. We would get together. We would study the Bible together, talk about Jesus. And I was in... Um, a lot of that was cut out because a lot of the foolishness was cut out because I was in uh, Nebraska in the Air Force and she was in Florida in college. So we just really developed a strong friendship. And then I looked up one day and I was like, yo, I really love this girl. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say nothing because last couple of times I said something about feelings. She, she shut me down. So I'm just going to be. And then she came to me and was like, you know what? I was talking to a friend the other day. And she was, uh, my friend picked up my phone and said, you got a missed call from Marquise. And she was like, OMG, that's my bestie. I love him. And when she said, I love him, it like pricked something in the heart. Like, oh, snap. I think I meant that a little deeper than platonically. So she told me that. And then we started dating. And then four months later, we were married. Um, but the point is, I think it is simple. When you approach it as if you're not addicted to this idea of, love and marriage and, and, and all of those different things. I think when you sort of focus on God, I think those things sort of fall in place right. as needed. And I'm done. I, I agree. I think sometimes people like people, <clears throat> women, <clears throat> but people love the idea of love. So it's like not the person even so much. It's like they love love. Um, and that can cause a lot of problems. So, you know, focus on God and all else will follow Victoria. 
as someone who I guess is uh, younger than everyone else here, um, what are your thoughts on this? And are you currently uh, speed canceling all of your dating websites? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. <laughs> uh oh, you're, uh, it's chopping out a little bit. We're hearing like every other word. Okay. Um, how's it now? I heard that. Sorry, I was adjusting my mic. Yeah, that seems better. So uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm sure you probably aren't too far away from what everyone else seems to be agreeing on. Well, Unless you are. I have nothing against <laughs> dating apps or like, um, like all these kind of things. I just don't think it's my cup of tea because um, I don't know. It's just very, very different as compared to like meeting someone in person. Like, you see a person, like, doesn't give them enough time to, like, put on a show. As compared to, like, I feel like it, online, it's, like, um, I don't know, multiple personalities, I guess. So, yeah, speed dating is not, um, not appealing to me. And I'm not saying, like, it's, it's, not, it's not right. It's just not appealing to me. So, yeah, casual dating, speed dating, I don't know. It's it's just too many options. It's just too many decisions to make. How are you going to pray for all of them? You're supposed to like <laughs> pick one, pray about it, go ahead. Like, and that when I mean like biblically, I think it's in Proverbs somewhere. It says, um, "A man who finds his wife finds favor from God." So it's like a man's job. Well, you you know, I, I was I was thinking too because. In a, a lot of instances, uh, women mature emotionally. And a lot of sometimes, you know, when you're younger, man, you don't want to admit that. But in, many times women, they seem to be a lot more skilled at maturing emotionally. In a lot of instances, a lot of times more than men do. Because as a young man, I, I really wasn't that skilled at those things called feelings. And I'm still not that skilled at them all the time. Um, and I will say sometimes that can be the same even sometimes spiritually at times that I would say the benefit too, especially of uh, my grandmother. One thing I, I, God, I miss that woman, man, I miss that woman. Uh, she, she told one of the first scriptures as a child, she taught me was remember now that creator in the days of thy youth, uh, that she would always instruct me as a child. Like, you know, when it was time to do yard work and I, you know, didn't want to do it. She say, how are you going to lead your family if you can't keep your house clean? How are you going to, you know, everything was all about being able to do it because one day as a man, you have to lead your family. Everything was always in the viewpoint. God is going to interest you to lead your family. Like I'm six years old. Like I'm, I'm trying to eat candy, you know, but everything was always in that viewpoint. Like how's, how are you going to make your wife want to follow you if you can't follow your responsibilities? And as I sit back and think about that, you know, it was so much wisdom that woman had. Because the fact of the matter is, is that a woman is not going to really respect you uh, to an extent if she doesn't see effort. But a lot of times, men, we kind of need a little bit more time a lot of times. And I thank God that one, you know, I know they're doctrinal differences, but I had more time because like my wife came to the Lord later than I did. I had an advantage in time and learning scripture and things like that. So I was able to answer questions biblically. And um, we were talking about something the other day, uh, a few months ago, and 
my sister asked my wife a question about something in scripture. And my wife said, she said, I don't know. She said, let me go ask Brandon. And uh, my sister came to me. She said, I have, she said, I've never seen that. She was like, well, she said, your wife didn't know. And she said she knew she could go ask her husband. She, cause you know, I've talked about some of the issues my, my wife has had about, you know, some of the challenges we've had working with her, some of the, you know, with her sexuality. And she, and my sister, she was like, your wife knew she could go ask her husband about, you know, the, and she was just, my mom, my, my sister was just like that did something to her. And I said that, that missionary Kira more, you know, but I was just thinking like, especially as a young person, as a young man, not playing around, taking that time to really find yourself and build yourself as a man and learning to, uh, find and center yourself with your walk with God is going to be an advantage because you can't lead her if you can't follow God first. And for the, for the record, uh, who was it? Uh, Princess uh, says she met her husband on a dating app. I mean, for the record, I, I was just throwing dating apps out there to give Victoria a hard time. But I mean, I don't have a problem with that, which is also not what we're talking about dating like either. Right. I mean, because, you know, you can casually date on dating apps or you can seriously in a very Brandon way use dating apps. Like, you know, I mean, for me, I view dating apps as, as a way just to like find people. So it's not like, I mean, you know, you may have like a hundred matches or a hundred people. It says as matches. That doesn't mean you go on a hundred dates. That means, you know, you, you go through. So it's like, you know, the ones who are like, I love Jesus. I want to be a, you know, I want to be the best husband I could be. I want blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, great. There's three people that have that in their profile. So don't even need to call the other 97. So, uh, you know, let's, let's focus on them. And let's, let's read their profile, and then maybe, I don't know, give one of them a chance and, you know, see where they go to church, see what that's about, see if they're sincere. So, no, I don't have a, part, I don't have a problem with dating apps. I mean, if it's something like Grindr, um, that's the gay one, right? <laughs> I totally don't know. Um, I, I think it is. But it's like that, I mean, where the, where the entire point is, like, to hook up. Well, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of in the, in the name it's a problem. Um, but, I mean, if it's, if it's something to just, like, be an option to meet people. Like, if you go to a church, like, in... in a rural area somewhere and there's just like no dating candidates. Um, it's like, well, you got to find them somewhere. You're, you're not going to go to a bar, hopefully. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Tasha, I think you unmuted a little bit ago. Maybe your microphone's yeah. better now too. Yes, we'll it is. So I um, appreciate what Brandon was saying about how, I think it was his grandma or his mom used to say, you know, you're going to have to lead your family one day. You're going to have to you know, that's something that we've taught our sons from the time they were little bitty. Like, look, God has created you to be a husband, a potential father, a provider, a protector, all of these, a leader, right? All these things that are true of them as they're following Christ. But I think, I think this, this goes back to like this conversation needs to be talked about in the whole aspect of parenting our kids, because that's where we start training them for those kinds of things. That's where we start teaching them, equipping them how to step into those relationships when the time is right um, and what to start looking for. And if you're not doing it from the time that they're little, you're setting them up for failure, in my opinion. Yeah, the training and the way they should go, I think that, that applies. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and not to say a person can't learn later on in life, but, and then I think that's part of discipleship because some, unfortunately that's, that's, um, 
I, uh, the my previous pastor who uh, picked up the church after my grandfather got sick, which, which was one of my uh, grandfather's spiritual sons. And I mean, not in a, like new, not in a nar sense, like literally my grandfather won him. He was, uh, won him when he was 18. He was, uh, on, he was doing drugs and stuff. Uh, but he, uh, you know, won him and, uh, discipled him, but he didn't have a father, but like my grandfather told him everything for us, you know, how to wear a tie, how to buy his first house he introduced him uh, to his future wife. Me, I grew up with his kids. Like we, our families are really tight even to this day. But um, he uh, he talked about you know my grandfather's funeral. Like he thought my granddad was like Superman. Like he uh, he did he thought he did he thought like he didn't think it was anything my papa couldn't do. But he was like you know he said I didn't have a dad. He said Bishop Moore was like in his uh, in his mind was like his dad to him. And he said everything he knew as far as how to run a family, like every every time it was something that had to be done, like he called my uh, grandfather to ask him how to do it. And I think that's also the call of the church to be a father to the fatherless, uh, because I was blessed to have my great grandparents. But I think about like a lot of guys who I grew up with that they weren't blessed to have, you know, church planter grandparents, you know, and that can step in and do those kind of things. And I think that's the, the job of the church, you know, for, for those kids who want to step in and to be able to do ministry. And, and to me, that's, that's the real work of ministry because how would my grandfather know this young man that he's winning uh, will later step in when he would start, when he would have dementia years later uh, and would pastor, pastor his church and then, start training his great grandson in ministry and start taking care of his church and looking after his widow. And like, you, you just can't plan stuff like that. But if you can do, if you do what the scripture tells you to do, God will take care of it. Yeah. And I think what Brent was saying earlier, I kind of remembered, um, I don't know if I fixed my audio, let me change it. Sorry. Uh, it's static E again. Uh, is it better now? Mm, not really. <laughs> Keep trying. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, okay, let me just change my phone. Okay, position. we heard that. That was better. Oh, okay, good, good. So what Brandon was saying earlier, I think that part of, like, leadership is quite important, like, in a family, uh, because, like, I think um, someone was saying this a while ago, and I think my, my family, like, most of the men in the family knew this, that when uh when in in a couple like it's usually like the man who makes the decisions because there is that leadership position that women or children look up to so that if if uh, if he's not got got his doctrines belief systems like uh, at least um solid he's probably going to be like wavering a lot and so like lead when it comes to like leading and everything there's there's a lot more issues um if if he's not like very what what do you say very influential for the family to look up to so like where brandon was saying like his wife said okay let me talk to brandon about it like that that thing uh is what matters like in families because like you know the head has to know what's happening in the house. Otherwise, it shouldn't be like a shock. <laughs> like one day, like there's like a new doctrine coming into the house, or like like a new 
a position that everyone's taking, but the head of the house has no idea what's happening. Um, I think those are like really scary things that does happen like in some families. Well, is this topic covered? Thanks, Victoria. Anyone have anything else? Bob, how was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend, Bob? Nate, I have had a good weekend. I've got this two-year-old in a couple of weeks. You might can hear the cocoa melon stuff going. So <laughs> I've had a good weekend. Thank you. How about you? It's been all right. Last night we had a trunk or treat event uh, that I did not feel convicted about. Um, you could have found a satanic reference if you tried. I mean, I guess that depends, right? Because you'd say, well, if you saw if you saw a spider web, there's Satan. So maybe I need to rethink that. But uh, there was nothing overtly evil. It was uh, a bunch of, you know, community friends and neighbors um, that gathered their golf carts in the parking lot and threw candy off the back of it. So, um, you know, I am convinced in my own mind that the worst part of last night is all the candy, um, <laughs> which is probably probably pretty bad. I mean, it is pretty bad. Like I, I'm done with cavities, done paying for my kids' cavities. Anyways, um, I know probably everyone doesn't agree with that, but I don't know. That's all the controversy in my life this weekend. Yeah, well, we don't care what they agree with, do we? Don't really matter. I saw a trunk or treat in Ohio last Sunday in a parking lot while I was sitting in the motel room. And last night there was one at the Methodist church that I saw when I was walking around in the yard. So uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything against trunk or treat either. Uh, but cavities, my mouth is full of nut false teeth because I ate a lot of candy, Nate. You know, preparing for the future, uh, how big of a pain is our false teeth? Like. Uh, is it really no big deal whenever you get to, to that time and age? Like it, it's actually convenience because you're just sick of dealing with like nerve damage and tooth pain and all that stuff. Or would you rather, if you could have your uh, regular teeth, even if that means like sensitive teeth and stuff like that. Teeth pain is not good at any age. So, so whatever you have to do to eliminate tooth pain I think you should do it, but I mean, I got, <laughs> I've got, I've got teeth on posts. I've got teeth missing. I got teeth broke off, and uh, I don't advise anybody to chew tobacco. Okay, I mean, Chris, what I do you do uh, for for your false teeth, Chris? I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. My husband had um, has PTSD, and he ground all his teeth off. Um, and had to have dentures a couple years ago, and he's this is his second set. The first set didn't fit right, so he would tell you false teeth are the way to go as long as they fit properly and pay the extra money to have them fitted. I mean, I'm, I, I guess I'm not in a hurry to actually do it, but I'm sure that day will come. But all I know is, man, I, I've had sensitive teeth like my whole life, so like I, whatever is going on with my teeth, or maybe I'm just a big baby, that's probably not too far off either, but I hate it. It's like, you know, I use like all the sensodyne, the sensitive toothpaste. And it's like, whatever, like the nerve endings, just like, like, ah, like hot, cold, anything like that. It's just a pain. Have you tried um, oil pulling? What? Oil pulling. Boiled, boiled something, boiled what? 
Oil pulling. I don't know what the last word you're saying is. Pulling. P U L. Oil pulling. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 oil pulling. So you use coconut oh. oil. You can get it actually at Walmart, um, and you rinse your mouth with that um, for X amount of time, and it it like really starts healing your teeth. Oh. So just coconut oil and and what was it you like rub your teeth with them or like. Um, you just gargle it around your mouth and sort of like spit it out like into a trash can. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's quite helpful. Like it gets rid of a lot of like um, issues in the dental and like the mouth zone. Um, but yeah, the thing is we should never spit it out into the wash basin. It should always like go into the trash because it's coconut oil. Interesting. Well, there's your dental tip for the day. Oil pooling. Uh, hey, Yvette, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good to see you, all of you. I love uh, this place, by the way. Um, yeah, my question was, uh, well, uh, theoretically speaking, if Jesus was to reign this corrupt world the way it is right now, theoretically speaking, not that. The Bible says that will happen. Um, would murder, would he decide to put murderers in prison? How would he rule his, the government? Like, theoretically speaking, what's your opinion? I just want to know, like, anybody's opinion on that. Okay, let me give you one, Nate. In, in uh, the book of Revelation, I, I think he's going to uh, do what his father did for years Uh like put to death, it might not be good for the evildoers. Uh, that's just a thought. What would you say, Chris? So, in the Millennial Kingdom, Jesus will be using the Mosaic Law, because that is his perfect law for a civil government. So, theoretically, if Jesus was setting up shop right here, um, that would be your answer, could follow the Mosaic Law? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Oh well. Um, I would. I would be thinking that uh, murderers and and homosexuals and all these uh, people would uh, die <laughs> because that's it is you know the death is the main mm -hmm. thing that happens. Yes, Jesus would be massively implementing the death penalty many crimes and then how many cases though would there be like forgiveness like you know by all rights the woman you know like the people he uh you know forgave and told us to no more and stuff like that um they could have been put to death but he had mercy and didn't so i mean would it be fair to say that there could be a murder or two here and there that i don't know based on any of the biblical evidences i uh, he could have shown forgiveness or something like that and no well what about like paul then like you know paul uh I'm just trying to like flip through my brain really quick. Like, I mean, you know, Paul stood by and let people be murdered, um, but Jesus didn't smite him. But also in this theoretical scenario, he wasn't ruling the earth in, in that way. So I don't know. All right. So, I mean, again, like Paul wasn't breaking the Mosaic law. Um, you know, he just didn't understand the truth of who Jesus is. And so Paul under the Mosaic law would not have been guilty of murder. 
Paul was guilty of murder. He saw Stephen mm. stoned and gave his hearty approval of it. Yes. He was we the chiefest this, of sinners. But this is not according to the Mosaic law. This is the according Mosaic, to Mosaic the law, law of Christ. The law of Christ supersedes the law of Moses. We're not going backwards. We're going forward. Again, the law of Christ is a perfect representation of the Mosaic law. But we're talking about a completely different age. We're not talking about the age of grace. Like we are living in the church age. We're living in the age of grace. When Jesus comes and sets up the millennial kingdom, everybody who is a Christian will, you know, not be there as living people. Will be there um, as glorified individuals. Everybody who is not a Christian will be wiped off the face of the earth. Right? Will be killed. By Jesus, who they will be unmade, then the people that are Christians living on the earth will uh, simply continue to survive, and the descendants of those people are still under the fall. They're still under the curse because they were not glorified. Those are the descendants that Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. This is just this is just uh, premillennial eschatology. This is historic eschatology, historically premillennialism. And that's the, that is the view of the people who are in the millennial kingdom are the descendants only of the Christians that were left after the, the second coming of Christ. Well, I'm sorry, but you know that I don't agree with that uh, assessment at all. Go uh, ahead, you don't Nate. even believe in the right Jesus, so what difference does it make? You think Jesus Wait, is a Wait, you, you, you have to say it in the form of a question, remember? Okay, Bob. Is Jesus God Almighty? No, he isn't. No, so there you go. You have a different Jesus. You're talking about a different religion than we are. Uh, the in the faith I got, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is in heaven, and God is going to send him to earth as Savior. Uh, I don't know where you're getting your stuff. Yeah, we get our stuff from the scripture. You're getting your stuff from a fever dream. That's all good. Hey, Dean, it's been a while. How have you been? <laughs> Glad you made it to the stage. Hey, y'all. Uh, I was just enjoying the conversation. That's good. Have any uh, points you'd like to weigh in on? No, I just wanted to hear Chris's, um, Chris tell us about when Jesus comes back. A lot of people don't talk about it. I think that's something that we need to start talking about um, so people can be prepared. Well, don't don't get your information from Chris because he's got a bunch of misinformation. You sound like CNN right now, Bob. I haven't seen CNN, so I wouldn't know, Nate. But go ahead. Well, they're big on... Well, anyway. So... <laughs> Yvette, does that answer your hypothetical question? Yeah. What What about, uh, theoretically speaking again, what if you were to be here at the age of grace? <laughs> Not that it never says anywhere in the Bible, but he was here at the age of grace uh, 2,000 years ago. So I guess we can infer from that what how he would rule his kingdom. Um, but he was not uh, ruling as, well, I guess he was ruling as king in his own way. Um, 
uh, except he didn't have like a physical throne. He had like a spiritual kingdom of God on earth throne uh, that he reigned with his angels. Um, yeah, I guess it would depend. Um, well, he did follow the the laws of Moses, but he did it to fulfill them, and he did fulfill them. Uh, so, um, yeah, he naturally uh, follows them anyway, even though he did that. <laughs> so, um, uh, I guess I already have my I already answered my question. I just didn't really think it through, but yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> Well, until God sends Jesus back to the earth, uh, he has not been king. Because in heaven where he is now, the king on the throne in heaven is the king of all kings. And Jesus is the high priest. And I'm glad he is. Hallelujah. Yeah. Cool. So, Bob? Let's see. Uh is the God of the universe separate from Jesus and Jesus is just a creation? God has promised a lot of things and his promise to David is fulfilled through the one that was born in Bethlehem uh, years ago and crucified at Jerusalem. The Muslims don't believe it, and his Father in heaven is still Lord of heaven and earth. So, can a king have be a king without a kingdom? I, I don't think that would be possible. Okay, so then, when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world... That would imply that he is a king of some sort, would it not? Yeah, they they came when he was a baby. He was, wasn't even two years old. Some people came looking for the king. So, yeah, he was definitely a king of some sort. Absolutely. Hey, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was saying good morning, my neighbor. But then Bob said, so then Jesus is no longer a king? You're confusing me. You said Jesus wasn't a king. He's got the promise. He's going to be the king. You don't have to worry about that. But didn't? But you just said that he already was the king, but now he's going to be the king again, and somehow he stopped being a king? No, he hasn't been a king yet, but he will be the king, and his kingdom will not be destroyed. But the, the whole thing is, it's not of this world at the moment, but uh, at some... Uh -oh. You know, uh-oh, some point in time, it will come. Well, Bob, go play with your grandchild. Um, I don't have to go. She's right here looking at the at the music you hear. Uh, I'd rather straighten out a, what is it, Calvinist than I had. <laughs> but I do like the grandchild a lot. Well, uh, Jesus is still ruling his kingdom on earth the way he did 2,000 years ago in the hearts of believers. Am I correct no. in saying that right, Nate and Chris? No, you are not a no, no, that's not right. 
All right, Bobby, we're doing good, but we're, we're all being homeostasis. Is that the right word? So That's uh, paraclete, right, homeostasis, mucosis, osmosis. Oh I know. Hey, Chris, Chris, uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Bob. How did my questions work out? I was able to keep together with the questions, right? I'm very proud of you. <laughs> What was the point of having apostles and prophets? Nate, do you know? Oh, I'm sure I could probably pull out a couple of reasons why. I mean, yeah. I mean, why do you think there was apostles and prophets, Bob? See how I did the question there, Nate? <laughs> Very good. Oh, there are apostles and prophets today. Uh, you don't recognize them, but they're here. They're here. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets. Do you think the church is still here, Nate? Yes, I think the church is still here. And there's a reformed thing going around too, this deformed. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You should go find Pastor Sam's room today, Bob, and you could I'm sure you could commiserate with them and teach them all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're they're open to your theology at this point, so <laughs> No, they are not. You are badly mistaken. They hate reproof. They are not open to the truth. Bob, you want to debate this? Debate it. And I don't debate it. I mean, if it sounds like a debate, I guess that's what you think you got. But there is no debate to this, really. Because you can see it? Okay. Yeah, what do you mean debate it? What do you want to debate? I imagine he's going to uh, tell you why you're wrong. Why they're he, not can, he can't do that. Enough? He can't do that. He can't well, tell me out. why I'm wrong. Today could be your day, Bob. If he thinks he's going to prove that I'm wrong, it will be his day. <laughs> but if I prove he's wrong, it definitely will be my day, I so to speak. But uh, it is what it is, Nate. Well, Todd, what would you say, Todd? Oh, I don't want to take over your room on this, but I was just asking him if you wanted like to discuss this further and... Prove me wrong. Prove, what is, what's your stance that needs proven wrong? Uh, we'll see how. Let me hear it. Well, your statement said Calvinism is, you said Calvinism is not true. And I would like to debate that. It's no, true it's that. true. It's, it's true to those who believe the stupid stuff. Well, that doesn't sound friendly. It was as friendly as I could put it. I mean, it's, it's true to those who believe it. Nate is, Nate's got got that part right okay how about it's biblical calvinism is biblical no it's not i hadn't read anything about calvin in the bible i didn't say john calvin i said the doctrines that you find that calvinism te teaches is in the bible 
Yeah, every false teaching that the devil has seems to come from that book, doesn't it? Well, you could probably add yours. That means Jesus is not God. You could add that to it. So. Yeah, Jesus is not go? God. Jesus is not God. I mean, that's simple. Oh, well, I guess you can't get that. I guess getting really, really deep into something that's, yeah, it's probably not even worth it. Anyway, if you ever want, uh, I'd like to teach you. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to Bob, learn, I'd be Bob, glad to teach you. we're just trying to keep you. you out of the lake of fire, buddy. We're, we're you know, we are no. genuinely concerned for you. About the lake of fire? You should be concerned about yourself winding up there. Oh, I am vitally concerned about myself and my kid and my wife and all that. But we're also concerned about you. We love you, Bob, and we want to see you come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth is, God was right when he said, this is my son. Let me see if I can rephrase that in a question. Hey, Bob. <laughs> um, what happens, like, just theoretically? Just, just, I'm not asking you to believe anything. But what if Jesus is God and has been all along, and you get to the judgment seat, and Jesus is like, dude, who are you? Like, what? Like, what's your name? Like, away from me, I never knew you, like, what, what then? Well, since I have read Luke, uh, I can't even assess that or even think that way. I mean, that's, that's something, that sounds like something the devil would present me with. So, so you can't even conceptualize a world in which you're wrong. Like, it just can't exist. That possible world doesn't exist. Uh, at the present time, and what I know about the truth, uh, I think you've spoken correctly. Wow. Hey, hey, Nate, could you imagine a possible world in which you were completely wrong? <laughs> oh, I mean, I could imagine it, just for right. scenario doesn't sake. Mean, doesn't, mean it doesn't mean you are wrong, it's just that you can imagine a world where you are wrong, right? You do not have think... that failure of imagination. I think it's a way to kind of weed out like, you know, bad faith actors, even if they're good people and don't think they are like, that's, that's a way, right? It's like, okay, well just, just play in my sandbox. Here's the parameters. Can you imagine this? No, I cannot possibly imagine it. Yes, you can. You know, you can, you just don't want to do it. So, you know, I think I could answer that question. Um, well, if we go with the legality of it, you can say, well, Heavenly Father, it says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So who shall ever believe in it shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I believe in the Messiah. It just wasn't clear the other way. Maybe that could be the answer. And then they were like, you know what? I see your works, good and faithful servant. Enter the gates. That would be my best answer. I, I, um... I, I, I'm really struggling with this concept that if you don't see it, because it's not completely clear in a sense of if you didn't know anything about the Trinity. And I'm only speaking from my own experience. You know, I know about the Trinity because I was told about it. But if I read it 
without having the foreknowledge, would I be able to see it? And I don't know the answer to that. I really you, don't know the answer. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to see it. Well, so the Bible has the answer to that. Like I was just reading in Matthew. Like I, I think I always read this part in John, but it's in Matthew too. Unless I'm just completely crazy, and that's where I've always read it. But you know, it's the part where Jesus says, "Look, to some of you, it's been like it's God's good pleasure to reveal these things to you, and others, it's not." Um, so it's like, well, you know, Bob's clearly been told about the Trinity. Um, you know, if he wanted to, he may say, oh, "I can't understand it." Yeah, I could. He could probably teach the view of the Trinity that, that you know, would be proper. Um, and then he'd just say, well, I don't believe any of it. Um, but it hasn't been revealed on a heart level, so he'll fight against it. Um, so I think that's another example of how the Bible is, is just true. Like, you know, you can tell two people the exact same thing, and one of them, let's call them sheep, uh, will will just have something in their heart that confirms that. And it's like, Yes, I know this is true. It's been revealed by God. And you have another person that's just like, I can't possibly understand what you're talking about right now. This is madness. And let's call that group goats, you know, just for fun. Uh, no, there's, there's just a group that's deceived and a group that's not deceived. Uh, you can call them sheep and goats, both. I was going to say, if I found out that Christ was not God, it wouldn't change how I felt about Christ or God. It doesn't change the way I see them in my life. It doesn't change the way they, the, how they represent, how they can't, you know, it, it doesn't change anything um, compared to not believing that Christ was the Messiah. Now that's a whole different ball game. Um, but I'll look into this. So in Matthews two, are you just referring to things? Uh, 10, just in, uh, Matthews ten. Are you just talking about things in general being revealed, or are you talking about he's referring to him being God? Well, no, specifically in this, he's talking about why he speaks in uh, why he speaks in parables, and it was uh, it, it's a larger conversation that gets into like you know why uh, they have ears but can't understand, can't hear, and they have eyes but they don't see, and it's it's basically hearkening back to uh, Isaiah to fulfill this. It's like, otherwise, you know, they would turn and, you know, be healed and all this other stuff. So, but the, the point is, you know, when, when like, especially Muslims um, who, you know, want to know, they're like, why doesn't Jesus say, I am God, I'm God, I am God. It's like, he totally says it. And, and if you like, I don't know, it's been revealed by God. You, you could just, you can't ignore it. It's so clear in, in scripture. Like, you know, the it's I not, am statements. It's not. Oh, okay. Okay. Clear. Bob. Hey, on, Bob. Okay, but like the I am statements and like, you know, in Revelation uh, 21.6, he says, uh, the one who sits on the throne says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Um, and it's just like he's saying it right there. And then they're like, no, no, Revelation is the angel. But then you see like the angel of the Lord is describing the Old Testament. Uh, that is Jesus. So it's just all these things. So you could call it like scholarship. And if you just like read the book and really understood. But, you know, I, I think why people make such a big deal about, you know, Jesus is God. Is because you know again if you if you just believe and trust Jesus and have the understanding of a shellfish, um, you know God forgives crappy doctrine. So if you never hear about the Trinity, never understand deeper implications, uh, then you know may the grace of God be with you. And hopefully you know if you if you live long enough, He'll lead you to that. Otherwise, you know He'll just count your faith as righteousness in Jesus, whether you think that means uh, you know Messiah or Son of God, however you articulate that, because you haven't been told any different. Um, until the Holy Spirit, you know, like leads you into all truth and understanding. But 
uh, there are bigger implications, which I would like to get Chris's thought on. Um, so what can you t- think of like two or three things like that would really mess up theology if Jesus was or was not God? So it's like it's not just like, well, Jesus is God just for God's sake. But it's like it, it like breaks other things and like like gets into like errors further down the line if Jesus is not God. Can you, can you explain some of those, Chris? I mean, if Jesus is not God, we're all completely screwed. So, like, you know, the, the whole thing is, like, the atonement. So, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. If he is not God, then his death would have been insufficient to take on our sins. You know, First Peter 2.24 says he bore our sins in his body. Um, you know, First Corinthians 5 says that he... You know, he who had no sin became sin on our behalf. So, like, the idea of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, is the uh, the foundation of the gospel of Christ. If Jesus isn't God, then none of that is true. And we turn the lights off and go home and, you know, start, you know, whatever, hanging out with Hamas. <laughs> hey, look, Nate. He needs to turn the lights out and go home because if Jesus. Well, Bob, I, we're just going to have Nate, to disagree here, and Nate, I think we're ta- we're Bob. We're done going back and forth on this. I don't want to go back and forth. I just want to read, okay, okay. read the Bible to you. I think we're done with these points of contention, Bob. Um, you're never going to let it. I mean, short of an not. actual divine miracle, you're never going to let it go, and that's fine. But be silent while you know we have a discussion with other people who have open minds. Right. And, um, and like, I can conceive of a world where that's incorrect. Like, like if, if the, the resurrection was proven to be untrue, like Paul says, that you know, Paul literally says we are the most pitiable of men that, you know, we will be, we will be in our sins. We will die in our sins. Um, you know, because he even knew, like, because the way he laid it out in Romans, he knew that the sacrifice of Christ was the thing that is salvific to even father Abraham, that when Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness, that righteousness Paul lays out comes from the sacrifice of Christ as a divine being, um, you know, or as, as the divine being rather. And so, you know, like all, all of Christianity falls apart if Jesus is not God. You cannot have Christianity, at least the, the Christianity that's taught by the apostles, if Jesus is somehow just a dude or if he's just the Messiah or if he's like, you know, whatever, like it all falls apart. It's all meaningless. In fact, his Messiahship would be completely meaningless if he was not God. Meaningless. Uh, Joanna, hey, what's up? Thank you. I never talk about another room, but in another room I felt like in here to ask a Christian. (laughs) Are we still under the law? Or I thought we're under grace. Yeah. I mean, depending how much of a technical answer you want. uh, Yes, you are under grace, not the law. That's the common thing. Uh, However, if you wanted to get super technical, you know, the law is not abolished. It's fulfilled. Um, So if if it helps people like with a different perspective, you could say, sure, the law is not abolished. It's fulfilled. Um, it, it's hard to say we're under the law, even, even trying to like be amenable to, to how they would say it. But even if you wanted to say we're still under the law, 
the way you keep that law is by having faith in Christ because he kept the law. So, I mean, it's even hard to say because it's not accurate that we are under the law. It's that the law has been fulfilled. Uh, but even if you tried oh. to make that case that we're under the law somehow, well, how do you fulfill the law? By, by doing everything it says? No, by loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Like that sums up all the law and all the prophets. And because Jesus kept that law perfectly, if you want to say, sure, we keep the law, we keep the law by our faith in Christ. Um, but I mean, that's a really roundabout way of saying it. But no, we are not under the law. The law has been fulfilled through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, you are counted as keeping the law because it's his, it's to his credit he gives to you. I thought, yes, he fulfilled the law. So we're not trying, we don't get salvation through the law. We get it through the, the blood of Christ. Well, right, because Paul talks about, is it Galatians 4 or Galatians 5? Like Paul specifically talks about the law and how, you know, it serves its purpose to show how sinful we are. But he says, you know, the law cannot save. Like he calls it the law of sin and death because it serves as a mirror to show how bad and in, like corrupt and incapable of keeping the law humans are. So he's like, it's great. It does its job to show how evil you are and how you cannot keep the law. But, um, so, so yeah, it, it serves its purpose, but you cannot keep the law. Um, so it's only by faith in God um, that you're going to be saved. So Thank yes, you. it's faith in Jesus. And lastly, in Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And I'm grateful that I'm under grace, and so are all my brothers and sisters here. Thank you. And it also doesn't mean that we're lawless people. Like, we have the law of the Spirit. So, in, you know, in Galatians, I mean, just the whole book of Galatians, it's, it's, I mean, it's a quick read, like probably, I don't know, 30 minutes tops. But, I mean, it really contrasts, like, the difference of the law of Spirit and the law of sin and death. So when people say, oh, you Christians say you're not under the law, so you can go out and, like, murder people. You can go out and, like, you know, do any kind of bad stuff you want. It's like, well, then if that's true, why don't you see Christians going out and doing all bad stuff they want? I mean, you know, no one's perfect. Of course, people who say they're Christians are going to do bad stuff. But, I mean, as a whole, as a religion, like, why isn't that taught? Why isn't it taught? Hey, you're under, uh, you're not under the law, so you can do whatever you want. Like, there's a reason. Um, it's because we are not a lawless people. We follow the law of the Spirit. Uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit impresses on our hearts. Um, not the law of sin and death, which would be the Mosaic law. Any follow-up there? Uh... Sure, I hope I that helps. It. Any follow-up, Chris? No, that's exactly correct. Once again, I have no notes. <laughs> uh, could I say anything to that or not? I mean, no. if it's got to be like Jesus isn't God or the Trinity or, you know, I think I'm just being done being being challenged by you today, Bob. <laughs> like, I appreciate your banter here back and forth. Uh, but I, I think we're, we're yeah, we're going to have to be done with disagreeing today. I wasn't I wasn't going there. I think I've got I, PTSD from you, Bob. I wasn't <laughs> going there, though. Where were you going to go, Bob? I was going to go where Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous and doing all of the things according to the law. Yeah, in the Old Testament, just how we're saved by faith in Christ now, and that shows our faith and obedience to God, um, you know, in the Old Testament. 
Abraham believed God. And that was before the law, by the way. So, uh, you know, Abraham just believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, again, it's all by faith. And even when people had the law and, you know, did the sacrifices, carried out the covenants, all this other stuff, they weren't saved because they sacrificed a bull. They were saved because if they didn't have faith in God, they wouldn't have kept the law because they wouldn't have believed the law mattered. They wouldn't have believed God gave them the law. So why would they have done a law they didn't believe was from God? So again, it all traces back to faith. So before the law, Abraham believed God and had faith, righteousness. During the law, uh, people followed the law, which demonstrated their faith that this law was from God. Therefore, faith in God, righteousness. Uh, Jesus People believe Jesus is the Son of God. Death, burial, resurrection can give eternal life to whoever wants it. Um, faith in God, faith in Jesus, righteousness. Uh, that's what I would say. Well, I just, the idea that somebody could not keep the law is just totally wrong, is, is the whole thing. Uh, don't make me do it, Bob. Don't make me do it, Bob. Well, read, good. all right, don't do it. Read Luke chapter <laughs> 1, verse 6. And uh, All right, Bob. It's not that I don't appreciate being challenged sometimes, but I think everyone can say I've, you know, we've given it a, we've given you quite a bit of attention today, Bob. So, you know, let the challenges resume tomorrow, but it seems like people with sincere questions, I at least want to do my responsibility, I feel, to give them the most biblically accurate answers I can. Um, and, you know, if you want to know what Bob thinks, uh, message Bob, I guess. God be with you. Um, the scriptures clearly say no one, no one was able to keep the law, only Christ. That in itself, we, we know for sure that he is God. Right? I'd love it if Chris could put his answer into the form of a question. <laughs> Yeah, but it says, you know, no one is righteous, not one. And it says, you know, we were all enemies of God, uh, even when Jesus died for us. So, you know, there was one perfect sacrifice, one perfect person, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain. So, no. Um, Todd, Tasha, any of you fine people who have been quiet for a while? Anything to say? I would just like to point people to Naaman, the leper. He never had the law. He never had, he had dirt. That's what he had. And he, and he believed God. And Jesus said that he was a man of faith. So there you go. Wait, Naaman, the man who um, Elijah asked to dip in the river Jordan? Yes. He didn't uh, have a Bible. He didn't, he didn't keep anything. He had dirt. That's what he had. He brought home dirt. He even went into a, into a synagogue where he had to do pagan stuff with the king. Like, but he said, I will not sacrifice to any other god but Yahweh. And so, and even Jesus mentioned him. He's like, he was, he was a man of faith. Wait, where are you reading this from? Because Elijah, I think, uh, second kings or first kings? had asked him to go dip himself to get fully cured. And so, like, what Jesus brings him up in the New Testament, or quotes him, could you maybe share the references? Uh, 
I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'd like to see the references. Yeah, I'm at work right now, and it's kind of hard for me to look on the right now. Oh, yeah, that's bad. You're back at work. Well, yeah, if you can get the references, uh, yeah, share them. And if you're in Discord, just put them there. Well, Baptized, I suppose it's your turn. What's up? Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, good morning. You know, speaking about uh, being saved, in John 5, 34, Jesus says, not that I mention, or, yeah, not that I mention human testimony, but I mention it that you will be saved. And he's talking about John the Baptist. What did Jesus mean by, I mention it that you may be saved. So he's definitely, you know, whatever he's talking about has got something to do with our salvation. That's. Anyone want that? I'm starting to understand, Nate. <laughs> Well, if you read the scripture five, uh, one or five or John five thirty four, you'll see that's what it says. Not that I mention, not that I mention human testimony, but I mention it that you'll be saved. So, see what I think it is is when John the Baptist preached, for I baptize with water but the one coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's, he's telling us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit saves. Do you believe that? I believe when you have faith in Jesus and you're born again, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing your salvation on that day. So if you call that baptizing the Holy Spirit or whatever term, if you call that sealed by the Holy Spirit, um, the answer is that's what I believe. When you're born again, the Bible calls it sealed. It says you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing your salvation. Right. That I, I believe that, and that's what I'm trying to uh, put across is that um, there is an event in your life when you're born again and uh, become a Christian when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm just showing you that scripture says that because Jesus said that you'll be saved. So he actually, you know, pinpoints it down to, uh, you know, whatever John was preaching has got something to do with our salvation. Just something for you guys to think about. Well, the something that John was preaching that has to do with our salvation is here is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So I mean, the something that has to do with it is he's identifying Jesus as the guy. So, I mean, that, that's what it has to do with it. Well, um, not, not exactly, because, um, you know, John preached, for I baptize with water, but, you know, then he goes, uh, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's actually an event in your life that turns you into a Christian. And uh, it, I think it's not just faith. I think there's a, a day when uh, you get born again. And to be born again is a pretty drastic a thing would happen to you. You know what I mean? You can't believe yourself to be born again. You can it's believe Jesus is who he says he is and ask him to make you born again and give you eternal life and you will have it. That's that right. is the event. I mean the Bible says it. I mean you're you're arguing with the Bible and you say it's not just belief. And I mean, you know, it's not like even the devil's belief. So I mean if that's where you're going, I don't think that's where you're going, but you know, it's not enough just to believe, you know, Jesus is who he says he is, but believe and obey follow him do what he says 
Right, but I'm just saying that uh, there, uh, there's an event that um, brings it all together. Um, and that's why, you know, I just, I don't know, I just something to think about because uh, I don't believe you can faith yourself to salvation. I don't believe you can just have faith. I believe Jesus does something with us and he's involved. And that's why uh, Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus because Jesus was there with them when they were up. Uh, but that's why I preached that water baptism was only for John the Baptist. That's why it's important to understand that Jesus does a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's all. I, I know what you guys believe about me, but uh, that I would just wanted to show scripture that says, Jesus said that uh, what John was preaching has something to do with your salvation. I hate to say this, Nate, and I hate to be this way, but folks, that's why you got to read your Bibles to be sure and uh, that you know the difference between wrong and right, and the difference between uh, what's actually true and what's uh, something that uh, comes from someone's own understanding and not God. Thank you, Adam. Chris, have you have you forsaken us? Have you have you left, or are you being held hostage by one of your clients? Wow, he must be in the thick of it. <laughs> All right, anyone else before I go to the gym and try to tell myself I need to exercise? No. All right. Well, there's some good conversation in the chat. Go check it out. Oh, what's the conversation in the chat? Is it about the Kings thing? Yeah, more about Naaman. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I was trying to sort of untangle what Samuel said about the whole dirt theory. Uh, so went through the scripture and I think in Second Kings 5, there was the story about Elisha and um, Naaman uh, and, you know, him being restored. And then in the New Testament, Jesus was talking about it in the context of no prophet is accepted in the prophets of hometown. So there is like Elisha, he, Elisha and the widow that is at Zarephath in Zidon, and then he also talks about Elisha with Naaman the Syrian to say like Elijah, Elijah and Elisha, they, they worked miracles outside their town because Jesus was from Nazareth and he was like talking to his home, hometown people saying like how they like was trying to drive them out. That, that's what I, I get from like reading it, but like, you know, waiting for Samuel to walk us through the dirt theory. Well, thank you for explaining that. All right, I have until I'm done with this game <laughs> that I'm going to go. Shall we have moments of silence?
May it be so then. I mean, I, I will say this, that um, I'm not speaking against like, you know, sound doctrine and stuff like that. But, you know, when someone comes up and they say that, you know, for instance, Jesus isn't God or or they say that you have a the wrong view of the Bible or something like that, it's always best to go to the Bible, read it for yourself, and and read it in a way that I mentioned probably way too often. But yet again, here I'm mentioning it, you know, read it in the way to where you allow God to speak to you through his word. And you don't lean on your own understanding of his word, but you acknowledge him through his word and what he's trying to teach you through his word. And don't don't totally go off of what man says and what and, and how man say it because uh, they can have silver tongues and they can really they can really present something, you know, almost like. You know, I think about it almost like a uh, a salesman. You go in, go in to buy a car, and a salesman just has that way about him to where he will do everything in his absolute power to get you to buy this car. And he he's very convincing. He can convince you and all that stuff. But that's also why, you know the you know go to a mechanic on the test drive take it to a mechanic close by let them see it let them look at it especially if it's a used car if it's a brand new car off the lot you may not need to do that but i'm talking about like a used car salesman so if there's anything i can say to encourage people today it is when you read the word and you listen to people talk about the word do what the Bible says. Test the spirits. Exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with, oh, a, as, as, with, as, with, with as clear cover, like as clear lens as you can possibly Especially do it. Like, right, like, like I have no, in, can you hear me? Hello? That are bringing forth their interpretation. Nate, we can hear you. Adam, can you hear Nate? And because Adam, Adam, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you can't hear me or what, but I, I'm going to have to go. But I was saying I agree with your points, and uh, you know, with as clear a lens as possible, read the scriptures, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate these things and guide people. And um, yeah, like I, I have no dog in this fight, right? Like my only job, my only responsibility to myself, and you know, everyone I talk to about this, just like everyone else would hopefully say. Um, is we just want to be accurate. So, you know, if the Bible, like, somehow, uh, you know, said, like, Jesus was just a guy, just like anyone else, he sinned, but God chose him to be a prophet and, you know, all this other stuff, and he just picked a regular guy, that's what I would believe. That's what I would teach. But that's not what my spirit bears witness to. That's not what the Bible says. So that's why I fight against that, because it's incorrect. Um, anyways, but, well, thanks for the discussion, everyone, and uh, I guess we will talk to you all later. Have an awesome whatever day this is, Monday. All right, see you guys. Take care.